The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not 10 made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of our Lord. several occasions in this group the story of caring for my father through his 15-month battle with pancreatic cancer. Now, I was six weeks out from being ordained a deacon when he was diagnosed. And I got a lot of the responses you expect to hear when someone you love is diagnosed with cancer. You hear a lot of, of sympathy uh, and a lot of remarks around prayer. Prayers for our family, prayers for my dad, prayers for healing. And that was always kind of complicated for me. I was deeply immersed at the time in seminary, two years into my three years of study, and I had seen the damage that can be done by faith, by religions, and by Christians who want to perpetuate the idea that we can pray away cancer or other illnesses. 
I did not put a lot of stock in prayer for shrinking tumors. I put stock in chemotherapy, radiation, and doctors. And I recognized that a theology lesson is not what people wanted when they told me they were praying for my dad. So I bit my tongue a lot ignored comments on Facebook, but I was acutely aware that I wanted in the journey of this experience for my family to know how to maintain my theology and my faith in God and my belief of being, there being a place for prayer within it while not distorting my religion into platitudes. This is the sort of gospel that can push and challenge these presumptions and perpetuate ideas around the idea that if we have enough faith, we can be healed. A dangerous idea, in my opinion, and one that will leave us disenchanted with God when it does not come to pass. Certainly, there are miraculous healings in our world. But for every person cured of cancer who is prayed for, there are others who are not. And it is not God picking and choosing who will be healed and who will not. That is not the theology that I wanted. It is not the theology that I hold. My dad was able to battle cancer for 15 months, pancreatic cancer, that's a pretty good battle. And about two years after he passed, I stumbled upon a letter. When we had flown to Alaska for my diaconal ordination, six weeks out from his diagnosis, two rounds of chemo deep, and everyone tired. He had gone to meet with a group that he'd been meeting with for about 30 years. He was not shy about sharing publicly that he was about 30 years into his recovery. And he went to what he called his home group that met on Sunday mornings. This was his church of reading the big book and working the 12 steps. And at that meeting, he had spoken. And his sponsor had said, hey, Peter, you should write that down. And so he did. And he had emailed it to my mom. And in his emails, two years after his passing, I finally found it. The document he titled, His Last Share. Do you know what it was? two rounds of chemo deep, desperately fighting to be alive for my sister's wedding and my own. It was about eight pages of gratitude. He made a list and shared it with this group of people in recovery of everything he was grateful for. And as I think back to that time in our lives, how scared we were, how little we knew, 
still a couple months out from the first set of scans that would tell us whether or not this was working at all. He rooted himself in gratitude. Gratitude that was unthinkable at that time. First thing on the list, he was grateful for time. Not something many pancreatic cancer patients are thankful for. But he had just experienced losing a dear, dear friend to a heart attack. And it put things in perspective. That time, however short, was a gift. Time with my sister and me, time with his friends. He was grateful for health insurance, for medical care, for a retirement plan that allowed him to care for himself. Grateful for friends and family. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. He was grateful for his sobriety and his recovery. All of these things are things he could say thanks be to God for. And they are the things that were healing him. They were not curing him. They were not shrinking tumors. But they were healing his soul. And they were gifts from God. When I encounter a gospel like the one we have today, I am drawn to the gratitude. It is the gratitude of the Samaritan, the foreigner, the outsider, that is lifted up in praise. It is the gratitude towards God that takes center stage in this story of healing. And it is a reminder that we can find places of healing and gratitude and thanks be to God that can exist within our theology and in our nuanced world. Even the ones who do not express their gratitude, at least in the midst of the story, receive healing. We don't really know much about the shape that it takes. The story sort of glosses over what that healing looks like, but it does not gloss over gratitude. All of us bring a certain amount of brokenness to these pews. All of us have something that we are turning over to God and asking, for healing within, whether it is in body, mind, or spirit. And certainly we have very practical ways we would like things to look better. And we know that God is not a magician pulling strings above our heads. But we have faith that there is still healing to be found and gratitude that we can have for that. I see it 
in the ways in which we sit in these pews and pray radical prayers every Sunday, believing in ways that God is changing us, forming us in this world. I see healing in the ways in which we surround one another when we are battling an illness, when we lose a loved one. You only have to see the army of women in the library after a funeral here. The hospitality that we show, the love with which we want to surround one another in this place, the way we nurture one another in this community. It is the ways in which we are trying to take the resources that we have to make the world outside of these walls better, to feed the hungry and the homeless, to care for the well-being of people on our island, to give out of our abundance to transform the world around us. There is healing to be found, even if it does not always look the way we expect. Today is the official launch of our stewardship campaign. Money is not always that much fun to talk about, unless it's going really well. And the gospel today was not one I immediately went, yes, stewardship. <laughs> but gratitude, now that's stewardship. Gratitude for the ways in which God is showing up in our lives, that's stewardship. I believe each and every dollar that comes into this church is a sign of gratitude. I don't see people giving out of guilt. I don't see people giving because they're like, oh, I can't look at the rector if I don't write this check. I see people who have been cared for in this community, who have found God in this community, whose lives have been changed in this community. And the gifts we receive that sustain our programs and our buildings are given out of thanks to God. You all are gonna receive pledge packets this week and pledge cards and letters and frequently asked questions and trifolds and it's all sorts of fun. And this year's theme, it's not really a theme, but it's an unveiling of a conversation that the vestry and I have been having around what is the mission of our church? What is our vision? Who are we and what are we doing and why? What is the identity of Emmanuel? And we have boiled it down to this. We are forming ourselves. We are nurturing each other and we are transforming the world. We are forming ourselves in these pews, 
in these prayers, in our formations and in our Bible studies, in our connections with God, in the people who come together faithfully to pray each and every week. We are nurturing each other in how we show up as community and how we are dedicated to one another and how our relationships cross over boundaries. Boundaries of socioeconomic status, boundaries of age, boundaries that would separate us outside these walls but draw us closer in together. The way in which we are dedicated to the youngest and the oldest. And we are transforming the world and getting outside of these beautiful walls because God is pushing us out the door to share the gospel. And we do it all out of gratitude. Thanks be to God for what this community is. Thanks be to God for the healing that we find. Thanks be to God for the ways in which you are in relationship with one another. In the letter I share as I did last year what Scott and I are pledging, and it feels like such a small amount for what we wish we could give. We have always been committed to increasing our pledge year after year, and we continue to do that. But the gratitude I have for this community is far greater than what I am able to give. But each year I will continue to try and express it through not just our treasure, but our time and our talent. And I invite you to join me in that. Because thanks be to God for Emmanuel. I hope you find it to be a place where you are formed, where you can nurture each other, and where we together can transform the world. Amen.